it is, it's not just uplifting, it's not just glorious to come into the presence of God and worship Him. It's just a blast to do it with you guys. I just really enjoy our church and how we've come around in terms of worship. It seems like some years back, we had a good number of kind of back row Baptist sort of worshipers. They look something like this. You know, it's like, have you ever been happy in your life? But that's just how they learned to do it. And uh, we don't have many of those now. If you are one of those, I wasn't talking about you. You're, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Just do your thing. What is 2024 going to be for you? If the Lord tarries and we are living through this year, we have a mission and a commission from the Lord. How serious are you? This is the time of the year when we start thinking about, you know, it gives us, the end of the year gives us a nice like point where we can be like, okay, we can think about last year. We can think about what next year is going to look like. I don't know about New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff. Some people love that stuff and do great with it. Um, other people, not so much. If you're wondering about that, go to the gym uh, Monday and then go Friday and see how many people are good at that. The fact is, is that when we try to kind of artificially do that, it's not great, but it's a great time for us to think about ourselves. Listen to this. This is Matthew 28, 18 through, 18 through 20. There are Bibles in the seats in front of you. If you don't have a Bible with you today and you want to read from a paper Bible rather than up here, do that. If you don't have a Bible at home or you need a Bible for any reason, you take that Bible, you take it home. It is our gift to you. You don't need to drop anything in the box. You don't need to give anything. It's our gift to you for New Year's Eve. It's, it's for you, okay? We want you to have the Word of God in your home. This is what it says. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, ah, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, that is what is written on the wall, that back wall, the other side of it, that's what's there. It's written outside of this room. There's a reason for that. It is the commission of our Lord, which means the one in charge, Jesus Christ, to us, to his followers, to his disciples. And the question that I want to ask this morning, and I want you to think about this. I want you to write this in your notes. If you take notes or grab your phone out, pull up the notes app if you have that. I have an iPhone that has a notes app. I'm sure your Android phones have that too. I don't know why you have Android phones, but green bubble people. I don't want to get off on that right now. Anyway, it's, I'm sure you have a notes app. Write this down. Think about this, okay? I want you to pray about this this morning and each day this year. Here's the question. Is 2024 going to be about you or about your Savior? Is 2024 going to be about you or about your Savior. There it is. Take a picture of it if you need to. Because this is something that every one of us, starting with me, needs to actually think about pretty regularly. What is it going to be about today? Is it going to be about me? It's going to be about Jesus. Is it going to be about me? It's going to be about Jesus. Don't jump on a Sunday school answer, okay? It's so easy to be like, well, it's going to be about Jesus. And you, but you're not really thinking, this is one that needs to burn a little deeper into your soul than the average question. 
I want you to really think about what it means. Jesus was with his disciples. He comes, he comes upon this in Luke 9. He feeds 5,000 men, okay? And we assume women and children as well. So just thousands and thousands of people. He's got the five loaves, two fish. The, you know, he, 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 made, he knows how to make stuff. And he made a lot of it. And he fed all these people. So it's an amazing, amazing miracle, okay? Then after that, he's alone and he's praying. His disciples join him. Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And this is where Peter, the apostle Peter, the disciple Peter, says, declares, you are God. You are the Messiah, okay? He tells him this, declares Christ as the Messiah. Then Jesus tells his disciples something. This is out of Luke 9, starting at verse 22. He says, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, this is not what the disciples were thinking or expecting or wanting to hear. In fact, I think at this point, I'm, I'm just based on what the disciples were doing later, they just let it go by like he's, he's talking in riddles. There's not a riddle here. He's telling exactly, prophesying exactly what would happen to him, and this is exactly what did happen to him. But that's not what they were thinking. They were thinking he's going to become a king. We're all going to, you know, we're going to take over, take out the Romans, rule. This is it. We're going to be his disciples. We're the ones. We got into the ground floor. You know, we, we recognize that that's this is who he is. And he tells him he's going to die. And then he says something to his disciples after he says this. And you need to remember that if you're a Christ follower, you are also his disciples. Okay? His disciples made disciples who made disciples who made disciples who made us, if we were Christ followers, as disciples. We are his disciples. So this is what he says. And as Jesus was known to do, he turned the world on his head as far as the way he spoke to his disciples. He said it right side up, which is what God always does. It's how Jesus always talked. Because you see, when, when people uh, want to sell you something, they tend to tell you how that thing will make your life easier or better or happier, okay? People, people focus on the outcome, not on the cost when they're trying to sell something, right? So they say, go to this gym and you will look like a person that never eats and works out all day, right? Those are the people in the commercial. Go to the gym, that's what you're gonna get. They leave out the part where you have to actually have a strict diet and exercise regime and all of that kind of stuff and just be like, hey, come to the gym, walk in and you're gonna be like, you know, that's not how it works. I can tell you, I've tried it a hundred times. Walk right out of there. I don't know what the point of that place is. I'm kidding. People sell a house by showing you the updated kitchen and the master bathroom, not by showing you the thousands of dollars a month it will cost you for the next 30 years. It's not where they start, right? They're, they're, they're going to focus on the outcome, what they think is good for you, not the cost. But Jesus did not use those kinds of tactics. He was very honest, he is, after all, the way, the truth, and the life. According to John 14, 6, that's what he said about himself. So after he tells his disciples about his own plan of suffering and death and resurrection, he tells them what is expected of them. Listen to what he says. This is uh, Luke 9, 23 through 25. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? If he loses his own soul. Jesus tells his disciples that if they desire to follow him, they have to follow him all the way. 
There's no halfway Christ followers. You might have gotten saved. You may be going to heaven. But you might not be a Christ follower. You might not be a person who Christ will look and say, yes, this person is following me. That's not who you want to be. If you're saved and you understand what he's done for you, you want to be a Christ follower. And he lays it out for them here. You got to follow me all the way. You got to deny yourself. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily. What's the cross? It's a symbol of death, right? You got to die to yourself daily and follow Jesus. So this is the way a Christ follower acts. It's not about me. I've got to die to myself. There's Jesus. That's the way I'm going. What does he show me? What has he told me? What does the scripture say? That's where I'm going. Doesn't matter what I want. Not going to argue with him. Not going to think I know better. Not going to say, I don't feel like I want to do that. And it's kind of about me and I got my truth. And blah. Not going to do that. You're going to deny yourself, die to yourself and follow him. You want to save your life? You got to give it up. This is the backwards thing. People chase after the things that they think will make their life better and they don't end up with life. You cannot be all about you and live, period. How do I know? It's what the scripture says, what Jesus told us. You will lose your life following your own way. You will only save your life by actually choosing to lose it and following Jesus Christ's way. Because what if you do chase the world? And what if you get it? Some people do. Some people get it. They end up with the money and the power and the fame and all the things that people think they want. They just think they want it. How many people go out buying a lottery ticket thinking they want to get the $500 million jackpot? We can do with $500 million, okay? You think it's going to change anything? It's not going to change anything. You chase the world thinking that if you have enough, you can get it. But look at the people who do. And ask them, and they will tell you, I've chased the world, I've gotten it, and I've got nothing. It's all turned to dust in my hands. Unhappy, depressed, suicidal in some cases. That stuff does not make it for you. It does you no good. At the end, you're just lost and destroyed. Now, you can be like, no, 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 no. I I don't buy that. Everything in the world, every self-help book in the world tells me, I'm the best. All I need to do is recognize that I'm the best and go get what I want. I'm going to have a breakthrough and I'm going to get the thing and I'm going to do the thing and you can go and you can hear these guys talk and you can do that. And if you do that, that's fine. But recognize you're rejecting the teaching of Jesus Christ. And many have done so. But those who have chased all the world has to offer and been about themselves instead of submitting to the Lord Jesus have wasted their lives. And they will tell you that. Many of them will be honest with you and tell you that at least towards the end of their lives. So again, I ask you, is 2024 going to be about you or about your Savior? Because you've got to make a choice. It's going to be about one of you. It's going to be about one of you. In talking about money, the Lord talks about how you can't serve two masters. You're not going to serve God and you're going to serve money. Any more are you going to serve God and serve you? There can only be one, Lord. It's you or it's him. This is the question for humanity. Do we give lordship to Jesus Christ? Do we submit ourselves and surrender? Or are we the Lord? Are we in charge? You can certainly make 2024 about you. My guess is if you're anything like me, you've made a lot of years about you. I certainly have. But I pray you don't do that this year. 
And so I want to talk about who we are as Acts Church this morning for a bit. Uh, we are a local church. That is to say, we are a local expression of the body of Christ. That's what the scripture calls Christ Church. That's what the Bible, the Word of God tells us Christ Church is. It's Christ's body. He is ministering to the world, to the unbeliever and the believer, through you. There is nowhere else it's coming from. You as a Christ follower with the Holy Spirit are the thing holding back the worst kinds of evils you can make. You think the world's bad now? Wait until the church is taken away. Wait until the rapture and the church goes and the Holy Spirit's no longer in the church on the earth and see what happens. You are the ones holding that back because the Holy Spirit is doing that, that through you. You are the ones ministering to those who need Jesus. You are the ones ministering to those who have Jesus and need your help and your support and your fellowship. That's what we are the body of Christ. He's called us to be unified as his body, accomplishing the great commission, which we've already read, until he brings us home. That's your job. Now, just until you die. It's like marriage, okay? You only have to do it until you die, okay? If it's rough right now, stick it out. One day you'll die. And you don't have to do it anymore, okay? I'm, I'm kidding. Marriage is awesome. But until the Lord takes us home, we have a job to do. We don't get to, at some point, just start looking at the sky and mouth breathing. When are you coming back? I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go too. Get to work, okay? We have work to do until he comes. We're called to be unified as a body, accomplishing the Great Commission until he brings us home. Now, Romans chapter 12, we get the breakdown. Again, you can look at those Bibles in front of you. So we look at this passage, ask yourself, is God calling his followers, his children, to be about themselves or about his work? I mean, obviously, you know the answer is somewhat rhetorical, but let's get into it anyway. Okay, Romans 12. It's in the New Testament, Glenn, if you're trying to find it. Yep. It's right. You have the pictures version. I don't remember what pictures on that page. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Okay, so that's where we start. He says, I beseech you to present your bodies living sacrifice. Sacrifice doesn't sound like I'm looking for the things for me. It sounds like I'm giving me up. It's very consistent with what Jesus said. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Be a living sacrifice, right? Holy and acceptable to God. Is it a sacrifice to live a holy life? Yes. Why? Because the world keeps telling you, no, do this. It feels good. It's going to be fun. Do the thing. And for a second, usually it is fun until the consequences come. So is it a sacrifice? Absolutely. To be a holy and acceptable sacrifice to God, it's, it's work. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if you are not in the Word, if you are not at the church, if you are not living as the body of Christ, okay, saved or unsaved, if you're just walking around in the world, Meh, I don't care. What's the thing? Everything's bad. Whatever. You're just being conformed. You're being conformed. You're starting to look more and more and more and more and more like the world. Now, you're told not to do that, but to be transformed, what? By the renewing of your mind. That's what we're doing right now. We are reading the Word of God, and there's nothing like the Word of God for renewing your mind. That's what we're called to do. All right, what else? What else do we got going on? 
For I say through the grace given to me, in other words, it took some grace for me to figure this one out. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So the next thing, after we're a sacrifice, after we're renewing our mind, the next thing is, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. See, if you're denying yourself and picking up your cross, you're not putting yourself above anybody. The highly thing, usually that's something that we have in relation to other people. I think of myself very highly, and what people usually mean by that is, I think of myself higher than him or than her. But if you've denied yourself and picked up your cross, you've given up everything. You've given all that up. So you can't think of yourself more highly than you ought because you think of other people as more important than you. Not a common thing in this world. Wasn't a common thing in this world either. This is literally the book of Romans. You know what the Romans were like? Go read the inscriptions that they would write about themselves. Sounds like some of our presidential candidates. I came and I saw and I conquered and I was the great one and I gave money to this and I did that. That's how they did it. Bragging was what they did. And people, and people would be like, oh, that's so great. You're so great. And you're so whatever, right? They'd have, they literally would have an entourage of people that would follow them around. They'd, they'd pay money and so on, these patrons. So that, and the more you had, the bigger you were. That's, how, that's part of how they boasted. Their whole society was about boasting. And against that, here in the book of Romans, he's saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. You're to be a living sacrifice. As our Lord told us, as Jesus Christ told us, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow for, as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. All right. So we start with talking, uh, being a living sacrifice and then being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then we hear, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Then we are one body in Christ and members of one another. Now, that fourth one actually takes the first three to be effective, okay? Let me tell you what will kill unity and effective working of the body, okay? Not sacrificing, putting yourself in a place where other people have to sacrifice for you, not having a servant's heart, not sacrificing, not being transformed by the renewed mind, being conformed to the world because the world doesn't have unity, and then thinking of yourself more highly than you ought may be the worst one. If you come in here with your brothers and sisters thinking of yourself more highly than you ought, I can tell you the last thing that you will create is unity. And then it says, we are one body in Christ and members of one another. How do we act effectively as members of one another? We do all those things. Pr primarily just following what Jesus said, denying ourselves, picking up our cross, and following him. You got to count the cost to be a Christ follower. It is a cost. It is a cost. It is difficult. He would not have to tell us to do it if it was not difficult. Remember, though, he started by telling them what he was going to do. Literally deny himself. Literally pick up his cross and die for us. And then he says, hey, you're my disciples. Be like me. You too deny yourself. You too serve. You too pick up your cross. So I want us to keep in mind the question for today. Is 2024 going to be about you or about your savior. And I just want to talk a little bit about ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is just a $5 word. 
That's what they call in the South. That's, a, that's one of them $5 words. Never got paid for using one. Um, it refers to the study of the church. That's what ecclesiology is, study of the church. Okay? Ecclesiology answers questions like, what is the church? And how should it run? How should the church run? Be governed, whatever. So what is the church? Well, we just answered the question. I mean, obviously, there are probably books and books and books written on this, but we can, we can handle this quickly. Y'all are smart. We answer the question. The church, it's you. You are the church. Sold out Christ followers, denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following Jesus Christ. That's the church. The church is the body of Christ. Each of us individually, members of one another, united in Christ, that is what the church is. Carrying out his commands to do the Great Commission, to make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. That's it. That's what the church is. That's what the church does. Now, there are lots of other things that the church does as well, like taking communion together and recognizing marriages and fellowshipping and coming alongside each other. All that's part of it. But our mission as the church, as the body of Christ, moving in the world, right, in one accord, moving together, our mission as the church is the Great Commission. Daily call of a Christ follower. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow Jesus. How do you follow Jesus? Do what he said. What did he say to do? Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that he's commanded. Teach them to observe the commandments. Because that's, that's how the Holy Spirit starts really working in us. It's when we start actually sacrificing and living a holy life. So if we're going to make 2024 about our Savior and not ourselves, then we have to know how we each, as individuals and parts of the body, are going to live this year. There are several things that I want to exhort you to do this year. Okay? Here's some exhortation for you. If you're already doing all these things, you're, like you're crushing into these things, that's awesome. Then ask God to tell you what's next. What's the next thing you need to do? Or talk to one of our pastors or elders about what's next for you. Maybe they can help you work out, hey, you're already doing these things. What's next? What's the next step for you to grow even closer to the Lord? But let's talk about these things first. Because if you aren't doing these things, and I'd like to tell you that you could not do these things and it's okay, but it's not okay. If you're not doing these things, you are not being obedient to the scripture and fruitful in the body of Christ, period. I'm not calling you out by name, but you know who you are. The Holy Spirit should be convicting you. All of us, every single person, including me, at this church at one point was not doing these things and then had to be called by the Holy Spirit and prodded and prodded until we were doing these things. So let's talk about what they are. The first one, receive the teaching. Learn and grow through the teaching of this body. That means you attend regularly Sunday mornings and your life group. For many of you, you guys attend the Genesis study. You should also be reading your Bible regularly on your own. Now we're starting a new year, starting tomorrow. And so on the app, if you have the app, and I know you're not going to be able to see here, but I'm going to do this anyway. You open the app up at the bottom. Da, 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 it's taking its time. There it is. At the bottom, you're going to see the Bible right in the middle. Click on it. Right across the bottom, there's going to be things that says plan. Click on it. There it is, Monday, first day of the year. It's got a reading. You can literally click on that, and then at the bottom, there's a play button. It will play it for you, okay? I often do that. I often listen to it, you know, just right when I, it's, when I get up in the morning. It's the, the easiest thing is do it right away when you get up in the morning. That's, that's Bible reading. Do your Bible reading. Receive the teaching of the church so that you can be somebody who is participating in the transformation of people by renewing their minds. Next, give. Give. The body does not operate for free. 
okay? It's been taking about a half a million, over a half a million dollars a year to operate all the ministries of X Church. It's about what it costs. Why does it cost so much? Because it does. It just does. I wish I could tell you that it doesn't. You know, you don't see a jet outside, right? Yet. No, I'm kidding. We're not doing that. I'm going to do a helicopter. It's fine. Um, no, listen, it costs money to run the church, okay? But that's not actually the important part to me, just so that you know. The important part to me, the part that I'm called to do, it's about teaching you to give because it's what Christ has called you to do. It's what God has always called his people to do. I would, this is important that you understand this about me. And I'm, and I'm speaking to you authentically in truth from my heart, 100%. I would rather not come close to making our annual budget, but to know that every Christ follower was faithfully tithing than to have millions of dollars in the bank and realize that many of you were not being faithful. It's not even close to me. I would rather that we couldn't pay the staff and we couldn't keep the building up and we couldn't do whatever, we're meeting outside, but every single Christ follower was faithfully tithing as they're called to do in the scripture. I'd much rather have that than be wealthy and have a jet and know that a bunch of my brothers and sisters were not being faithful to the Lord. It's not even, it's not close. Easy call for me. Give. I care about what Christ has commanded us to do. I care about being faithful. I care about denying ourselves, picking up our crosses and following Jesus. The money for the church, it will take care of itself. It always has. The Lord owns a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills. Right? He, he, it's all his. He takes care of his church. I've seen him do it over and over and over again. It's his church. He will provide. That's not what's important because that won't help you before the Bema scene. When you're before the Lord and he says to you, what have you done with what I gave you? Saying, well, here's the thing. I went to a church that made its budget, so they didn't really need my money. And he's gonna say, yeah, of course not. God doesn't need your money. It's about what he's called you to do, right? And so do what he's called you to do. Because you are gonna get the question, what have you done with what I gave you? And you will have to give an answer to it. Number three, serve. This should be an obvious one, but we cannot do ministry without the members of the body serving the body of Christ. You know how much ministry we can do? As much as we can do, right? So we can do as much as we're all doing together. The more people that are volunteering, the more we can do. The more people that do their part, use their gifts, faithfully, sacrificially serve the body, the more that we can do. If you're not serving, fill out one of those cards in front of you. I think it's probably the orange engage card. Stick it in the thing in the back. Talk to Susan. Do whatever. Take your place as a member of the body of Christ. Serve. Many of you do. I want to take a second. How many of you, just raise your hand. You don't have to stand up. How many of you are serving right now in a ministry? Can we clap for them? I know it's sacrificial. Now, there's a group of people downstairs right now. I didn't get to raise their hand. So what we're going to do is we're just going to stomp on the floor for about five seconds. Ready? Do it. Now we'll tell them later that was for them. <laughs> We've probably just riled the kids up. That's what made it worse for them. <laughs> I feel bad now. I didn't think that one through. <laughs> Story of my life. Receive the teaching give and serve. If you're not doing those three things, you're, you're not kind of past level one where you need to get in serving and following Christ. Okay, these are, these are things all of which take sacrifice. Sacrifice of time, 
Sacrifice of money. Sacrifice of your own talent. Right? Sacrifice having to work with a team where you don't, you're not in charge. And people are telling you what to do and you need to do it and you need to be faithful about it. All those things. They're all a sacrifice. But they are fundamental as Christ followers. And they're fundamental if we want to effectively be able to minister to people. If the, if the doors open wide and people come in and get saved and baptized in this church, who is going to minister to them? You are going to minister to them. I can't, I don't have time to minister to everybody. I got my jet, right? It's not my job to minister to every person who comes in here. It's your job. It's my job to equip you. So receive the teaching, give, and serve. But when we build a ministry of the lost, we have to be learning, serving, and giving. Do not steal, do not steal your time and your money from the Lord. They belong to him. Is 2024 going to be about you or about your Savior? Now, maybe when I said one of those three things, you thought to yourself, well, at first I thought it was going to be about him, but now that you put too fine a point on it, maybe it's going to be about me, right? Because some of those things are hard, but I'm, I'm exhorting you. Make it about your Savior. Let's, let's, let's have a, an amazing year this year. Now, I want to get to the other part. We've got a little time. The other part of ecclesiology. Do we have a little time? Yeah, yeah, we have some time. The other part of ecclesiology is about how the church runs. How does the church run? We don't talk about it a lot. It doesn't come up that often. Um, going through the book of Acts, we probably talked about it some. Um, but the Bible gives us wisdom on how to run or operate the church. Remember, the point of the church is to do the Great Commission. So I'll make it, I'm going to kind of start and make it as easy as I can to start with. There is only one head of the church. That is Jesus Christ, period. There's one in charge. Jesus Christ is the head of Christ's church. So that's why we don't really use terms like uh, head pastor or lead pastor or things like that because we consider Jesus Christ to be the leader of this church 100% and everyone else is following him in the roles that he's called them to be in. Okay? But the church does have a leadership structure according to scripture, to equip and disciple the members of the body to go out and do the Great Commission. That's what the leaders of the church do. They equip you. They equip the church. They support you. Okay? They equip and support you to do the work of the body of Christ here on earth, that is to do the Great Commission. They also care for you, pray for you. They do a lot of things for you, but primarily it's their job to equip you so that you can do the work of the church. There are three groups that primarily make up the leadership of the church, the elders, the deacons, and the staff. That's the three groups. I'm going to talk about a couple of them today. First thing I want to do is ask any of the elders that are here. I know we have a couple that health issues have kept from being here and one who is, was here the first service and wasn't able to be here the second service. But if you're an elder, if you're maybe an elder out in the other room, wherever you are, come on up. Um, I see Glenn. I see Scott. I see Dave. Hi, Dave. We only have three, four. There's Dan. They're slow. That's okay. I'm going to keep talking while they're coming up. Titus 1.5, it says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders. You guys can sit. Uh, in every city, please sit. Please be seated. 
In every city as I commanded you. I'm going to read that again because Dave interrupted me. For this reason I left you in Crete that you should set things, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. The churches were led by elders in every city where there was a church. This is the way it was set up, first century, out of the gate. This is the way it was done. It's the way that we do it. It's the way that it's always been done in the church. Now there are qualifications to being an elder. Some, will, some of your translations, if you have different translations, will say elder or overseer. Some will even use the term bishop. Uh, New King James uses the term bishop sometimes. Uh, same thing, okay, same thing. These qualifications for being an elder are the same today as they were in the first century, and they are clearly revealed to us in the word of God. I'm gonna read them to you in a second. I want you to understand something. These men, and there's a few, and I'll tell you who's not here today, and, and then tell you a little bit about who is here. These men, and, and me, I'm one of the elders also, are responsible to what is written here in the scripture. And so if you ever see something inconsistent with what you read in the scripture, you should come talk to us. Because we are, we are responsible to this. And this is what it says. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. Bishop is the same word for elder. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice or a noob, for those of you who are young, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. That's the responsibility of, of a person who's called to be an elder. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. It's very serious. And the men who are called to do this, on top of the things that they're doing to serve you, they also have to keep their lives in this order, constantly checking themselves. It's very important that they do so. Now, I'm going to introduce you to the people who are up here. This is Dave Vanderplug. He's one of the 72 Davids in the church. This is, this is yeah, he's the, he was here before most of them, though. This is Dan Carlson, Scott Robertson, Glenn Cook, the old Glenster. These men are elders. We are missing Roger and Dr. David and Todd. Who else am I missing? Is that it? That's it. Okay. Dr. David's not feeling well. Roger's uh, marriage is not doing well. And Todd had to be somewhere else after he was here for the first service. Now, let me just tell you something about these guys. You guys can stand up now because I want them to see you. This is important to me. You should know. They don't listen. This is part of the problem. It wasn't, it wasn't on the list. Oh, I see. You guys should know who these men are. These men are watching out for your souls. These men care about you, and the ones that aren't here, hopefully you'll get a chance to, to know who they are. You need to know who they are because if you need something, you need to come to them on a Sunday morning. This church is elder-led. It's not, it's not, I don't, I'm not in charge. The elders are in charge, okay? And so you need to know who these people are because they care about you and because they're leading you. So remember their faces and feel free to come to them when you need prayer. Feel free to come to them when you need some counsel. Feel free to come to them for whatever you need to come to them for, for your spiritual growth and health. That is what they're here for. And they've dedicated their lives to serving. And all of these guys serve for free. They don't get paid anything. 
for doing it. They meet regularly. They have to, not only do they have to take care of all the practical things like the budget and all that kind of stuff, but these men also are there to pray for you and care about you. And that's what they're here for. We're not doing, when you have an elders meeting, doing all that other stuff is not the exciting part. The exciting part is what's happening with the church. Who can we pray for, right? And, and, and those kinds of things. That's what's important about it. How are we moving forward? Right? That's what it means to be an elder. And so these are your elders. You guys can go back and sit down now. I've had enough of you. Um, <laughs> give them a hand, please. I didn't want to make them sit up here for this next part because I'm going to tell you a little bit about elders. Okay? These men, as I told you, are called to care for you, to pray for you, to teach you, and to equip you. These men are in spiritual authority under Jesus Christ and over the members of the body of Christ. They have spiritual authority over the body of Christ. It is a serious calling and one for which each one of these men will be held accountable before the Lord. Because Jesus loves each one of you, his body, the church, and how they lead you, they will be accountable for. Here's a command, four elders, two elders from the book of Acts, Acts 20, 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Same thing for their elders, okay? To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So there's this sort of, I'm not going to call it a warning, I'm going to call it an exhortation to elders. You had better take heed to yourselves because I love my church and I purchased it with my own blood Jesus to the elders. And so you better do it right. And so that's the command of the elders. That's their responsibility for the Lord. And we take it seriously. We're not here to peddle the word of God for gain. We're not here because we cannot think of anything else to do on a Sunday morning. None of these elders are here because they're into being in charge. The elders are here because they were called to do it. And it's a very serious Serious thing that they do. Now, here's a command to you. The elders had a little command there. You have a little command here to the church regarding your elders. Okay, the book of Hebrews. This is, uh, we'll read 13.7 and 13.17. 13.7 says, Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Okay? So you should be looking at the elders and following, when they're in line with Christ, you should be following them as they follow Christ. You should be looking to them. They should be part of how you're growing. In 17, it says this. You guys are going to love this one. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. Now, some people do not like the idea of being submissive. I understand that. Trust me. But I will not soft pedal the word of God for you. I make zero apologies for the Bible. That's what it says. It's not my preference. I'd rather we were all just, you know, hey, can we all just do, do it together and we don't have to? But that's not what the Bible says. It's not what it says. The Lord has set aside some men to rule the church. By the, by the power of Jesus Christ, in humble submission, serving, but in charge. And so, that's your call. That's your call. That's what the Word of God says about the elders of His church. That is our ecclesiology. So, again, you get hit with another one. Oh, submissive. Oh, 
people who roll over me. Oh, I don't like this. And so I ask you again, is 2024 going to be about you or about your Savior? It does me no good to ignore the clear teaching of Scripture in order to make people feel more comfortable. Like no one in the church actually has any authority. That's not true. In fact, the elders, sometimes you have to exercise the worst part of your authority, which is when you have an unrepentant sinner who's been who's been taught, talked to, exhorted, rebuked, and will not change, and you have to send them out of the protection of the church. It's a horrible thing to have to do as an elder. And I don't wish it on anybody. It is, it is gut-wrenching, horrible to have to do that kind of thing. But that's one of the things that elders are called to do. It's not all fun and games. But the elders do have authority in your lives. And it's the elders' duty before God to exercise that authority as your servants in humility, honoring God. And it is your responsibility to obey them as they teach you the word of God. It's how the body of Christ operates. It's how it operates. Now I'm going to ask the staff of the church to come up, those that are here, because this is the other way that the church runs. The elders, are, the elders lead, oversee, rule the church. The staff are the people who lead the body of Christ in the day-to-day -day operations of the church. Some of them are paid, some of them volunteer. We're going to get them all up here. Hopefully none of them trip because I don't have workers' comp. So don't trip. Don't trip, yo. Um, I don't care if you do. I want you to know who each of these people are and what they do, what they're called to do for the church, so that you can go and find them when you need them because that's what they're here for. They're here to equip you. Are we done? playing around. Come on, people. So I'm going to go through the list here. Actually, I'm not going to go in order. You didn't sit in the order that I wrote you down. First, we have Susan Vanderplug. This is the uh, sister of Dave Vanderplug, who was up. No, his wife. Like, I saw them kissing. No, that's, she is from South Dakota, but that's not a, no, this is Dave's wife. Are you enjoying this? I, oh, no, you're not. I told them they didn't have to talk, but now they want to defend themselves. Susan is our office manager and executive assistant. If you ever heard the Latin term sine qua non, what it means is without which not. If you don't have this thing, the thing ain't happening. That's Susan. If you're wondering who, of all the people in this church, the sine qua non of actually having things go forward is Susan. So please pray for her protection because we would be in big trouble without Susan. Now, everybody is important to the body. Susan's not more important. She's just necessary. Um, <laughs> then we have Deanne Van Vranken here. Yes. She is our Axe Kids lead. If you want to volunteer for Axe Kids, come see her. If you want to complain about Axe Kids, don't. <laughs> we have Patrick Murdoch sitting down here with his hat on. Thank you for dressing up, Patrick. Um, he is our youth lead. If you have a child between, what, fifth grade and 12th grade, talk to Patrick. He will whip them into shape. Um, Patrick teaches the Bible to our kids. He does so faithfully um, to our young folks, and he leads a uh, life group, mostly of young adults with, I don't know, I think they get like 20, mid-20s people into his apartment to uh, do, do that life group. So he's, that's, that's Patrick's thing. And he's growing up learning and uh, studying the word to, to grow a ministry. 
Then there's Tiffany Robinson, which is, yes. She's, yeah. She's my wife. I love Tiffany. She is the tech and media lead. Uh, she's kind of the production lead of the church on Sunday mornings, making sure that all this stuff happens. And she's also the lead uh, Honduras missions lead. So she organizes those trips, talks with the people in Honduras, does all that stuff to get those ready. Um, and usually goes, except this last year, she broke her ankle, so she didn't go. And then we have Scott Maxfield right here. He is, uh, we'll just call him the, he's like the worship media engineer thing. I have not come up with a title for it yet, but Scott makes sure that you can hear worship on Sunday, both in this room and on the live stream and does lots of stuff with the tech and uh, all the buttons and stuff because I don't know how to do all that. So Scott does lots and lots of that stuff. He's a recent addition to the staff and he is is—he's uh, a really strong administrator. If you have, if you want to work like with a soundboard, something like that, this is the person to talk to. If you have complaints about the music being too loud, don't. Okay. Now I want to talk about our pastors. We're going to start with Pastor Dave, Dr. Dave Robinson down here, the one who looks like me. Dave is our senior pastor emeritus. That means he's a pastor, but is old. That's basically what that means. <laughs> what it really means is that it's a, emeritus is a title of recognition for many years. I think he's close to 50 years, 40-something years in ministry. And so he, uh, does, he does lots of things, um, including counseling, running life groups, doing teaching, all kinds of stuff that Pastor Dave does. Still, even at the ripe young age of 94, so, no, he's not. I think he's 74. Boo. Don't make fun of him. Um, then there's Pastor John Robinson, who is our executive pastor. John is the person who does, uh, he kind of, call it, let's just talk about him as like a chief administrator. He makes sure everything gets done. That's what John does. And so um, part, partly in managing staff, partly in stuff around the building, partly in stuff. I mean, he just does basically anything that we need done, John is doing uh, for the church. And so he is uh, a high-level high leader uh, on the executive or administrative side of the church. But he, but he also has a passion and a love for people and for the people of this church and, and wants to have the opportunity to show that. So he's doing some leading life groups and things like that too. But if you need something in general and you don't know which one of these people to go to, John would be the person who would either answer the question or send you the person who does know. Um, and if you do have those complaints, I would somebody really take them to him because he won't care. Um, and then me. I'm the teaching pastor. Uh, that's the title we use. I Basically, my job is to... Um, work with the elders, um, because I'm an elder also, and uh, sort of uh, help set a vision for the church uh, along with them and along with the staff and lead the staff and uh, teach primarily on Sunday mornings. And so um, each one of us has our role that we do, but I want you to know that there are a lot of people at this church who are committed to you and who really want the opportunity to help you grow and to help provide for you what you need to grow and to help equip you and support you in doing the work of the church. So if you'll give the staff a hand, I'm gonna let them go sit down. 
these people work hard. I also, uh, how many deacons are here? Raise your hand if you're a deacon and you're here in the building. One, two, three. Oh, we got like all of them here. Um, the deacons, think of the deacons as just no frills. They just get the job done. And so uh, our deacons are involved in a number of different ministries at the church. And they're, they're leaders, servant leaders who just get things done here at the church, um, often unheralded, uh, which is fine for them. <laughs> they, they're fine with that. But if you guys would give the deacons a hand as well. So as I said, these brothers and sisters are here to equip you. They're here to equip you and to disciple you to do the work of the church. The elders, the deacons, the staff. I want to see Acts Church grow because that is what we are called to do as Christ's church, to multiply and grow Christ's church. That's why the first thing he says is make disciples for Jesus. And I want to see each one of you grow in your relationship with God. Because as you are taught to observe all that Jesus Christ has commanded, you will grow. And the fruit of the Spirit will pour forth out of you, healing relationships and families and drawing people to Jesus. That's what's going to happen. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us. And it's about Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who we're here for. It's about his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about trusting him and living for him every day of every week this year. It's about remembering what he's done for us, our salvation, and about the living hope we have of eternal life in him and with him. And so again, is 2024 going to be about you or about your savior? And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And here's the thing. He is with us. He was with them then. He is with us now. He will be with us to the end of the age. And listen, I want to see our church be effective. Effective. Those three things we talked about, right? Taking in the teaching, giving, serving. If we're doing those things, we're going to be effective. I want you to, to think about the unbelievers that you know in your life. Who you can be inviting either to life here or to church or just starting to talk to about Jesus. You have an obligation to do the Great Commission to make disciples. And I'm asking you to do your best to do that this year. I love you guys. I love ministering with you. I love seeing you on Sunday. You guys give me so much encouragement just seeing your faces as we spend this next year growing, studying the word of God, worshiping God, growing in every possible way that we can and hopefully seeing new life, new baptisms and new growth as people are taught to observe all that Jesus Christ commanded. Let's pray.